This is your anime DJs with the weekly rundown 13. Let's go! Well, welcome, welcome, everybody. How y'all doing this evening? Doing good, right. man. I'm doing really good. Tyler's doing good, too, it sounds like, eh? <laughs> excellent, yeah. excellent, excellent, excellent. Glad to be back another day recording. Yes, sir. So, to our audience, this is what we have for our uh, weekly rundown 13. First, we'll be going through Mashal Episode 4, My Home Hero Episode 5, Hell's Paradise Episode 5, and Somniacs After School Episode 4, and then Demon Slayer Episode 4. And then we'll be wrapping up with One Piece, as usual, with episode 1060. So, yes, you boys want to get right into it? Let's do it. All yeah. right, all right. All right, let's do some Mashal. It's called Mash Burn Dead and the Challenging Magic User. So, Mash pulls out a surprising stunt to end a Dulio game. I'm assuming that's how we say it, Dulio. Mm-hmm. That's uh, what I'm going with, dog. <laughs> Dulio? No, no, bro, that's too easy. It's Dulio. Oh my god. <laughs> this recognition from his peers is causing even more problems. It's time for Mash to do 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 do. But that was, yeah. that was, that was potentially good. the worst Yu-Gi-Oh impression I've ever right. heard in my entire life, and I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> I got I had to try. I seen it, I was like, bro, I gotta do this. But yeah. I got I got like a serious question now. Mm-hmm. We we seen like uh just Mash taking the ball and just like nonstop scoring so many points. Why didn't anybody try to stop him? I, I was kind of pissed off about that. So when I saw this scene, I kind of thought the same thing. And the only thing that went through my head was that everyone was just in such awe that Mash <laughs> was running on air. And <laughs> Which flicking, is a ball, flicking a ball around like a boomerang to score 999 points or whatever it was in like 10, 15 seconds. Uh, yeah, I guess. yeah, it was something else. I was sitting there thinking the same as you, Tyler. Like, why? Why is nobody like interrupting him? Aren't they still trying to win the game? But what you said, Dan, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I mean, you think the shock would wear off within like a, you know, a minute, you know, something like that. You would think so, but nah, man. That game was over the minute Mash started running on the air and flying <laughs> with his feet. Like, I was, was wondering. So, it was so fucking stupid. It was hilarious. I was. So oh no, curious. I enjoyed it. He and he was even putting spin on the ball uh, to get it to come back to him like a fucking boomerang. It was, it was a little wild. Oh yeah, I get plot armor. I guess yeah. <laughs> Is no. that a little bit? Ass pool. Oh, Nah, it's not an asshole. That's just this goofy ass <laughs> fucking anime we're watching. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Fair enough. Hey, I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. I guess if you're Mash, he his captain got hurt and he had to step up and do something. I guess so. He's got the clutch gene. We we've con- we've confirmed that so far. Yeah, but after <laughs> that, he he got into a little trouble with all this newfound uh, fame. Yeah, he met a new friend. Old Lance Crown. You call him a friend? 
I'm, a, I'm, I'm 99. He thought he was his friend. I'm 99 percent sure they're gonna be best buds down the line because Lance is in the opening way too much to be the villain. Hey, that's really fair. I mean, smart, smart specu- speculation there, you know. But right now, there's no way I'd call him a friend. No well, way. he did deceive him into in it, into being his lackey, but. So Mash thought he was being a friend. You know, he, he's like, oh, I can help you become a divine visionary. I was like, I just need you to do some chores for me, my guy. He's like, fine. So he ends up like carrying around his books and shit, uh, cleaning no, up that, after him. That's the last episode. Uh, I was going to say, I'm like, damn, bro, you're on the, you're on the wrong Oh my God. I'm, I am. I am. You're right. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember any of this, but I'm not going to call you out on it too much. But, mm-hmm. uh, you're wrong. So we're oh, talking about right. the blue-haired dude. That I know had... it's all. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm feeling Jeez, a little off man. today. <laughs> Gee, a little. You're about a week, a week too late, dude. <laughs> well, that, that's that's fun. Yeah. You sh- are you sure you watched the right episode this week? Or I'm pretty gotta... sure I did. I'm pretty Cut. sure there's a vase Cut. involved, right? Yeah. Okay. 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 I'll just say. <laughs> well, actually, that could have been Demon Slayer. You might just be way off right now. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> so this is the first time we had Lance Crown, as he was talking about the blue-haired dude. Uh, this is the first time we actually seen uh, a student or anybody at all with two marks on their face. Yeah, that's wanna, true. Yeah, y'all want to get into that, like what that actually means, I guess. Yeah, so the two marks basically means that they have immense magical power and they're basically just gifted as fuck. That's that's pretty much it. You know, they're just born better than everybody else, which is kind of fucked, but there you go. You know, yeah, luck of the draw. It was like one in 100,000, I think it was. Yeah, I think You're so. You're correct, yeah. They, they, they say uh, they're chosen, considered chosen by magic itself. That's a pretty, uh, pretty uh, high praise, you know? So, yeah. yeah, so I, I mean, basically, no one can stand up to him on the magical stuff. But lucky for our boy, he doesn't need any magic. <laughs> Apparently, bro, <laughs> he's got he his own kind of magic. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So but yeah, so the episode starts off with Lance basically reading the newspaper about Mash dominating this duelo game with his running on air, and Lance is kind of pissed off about it. He's like, "Fuck this guy!" And he basically just burns a hole in the paper. Shoots Mash's face off with a magic laser beam. <laughs> yeah, that's a little much for somebody you've never met. I like uh, it. He's got to. He's got to get them. He, he don't feel like you know Mash deserves to win silver crowns or whatever the hell he won to become divine visionary. You know. Yeah, he got a, a silver silver coin out of that, and uh, Lance is is trying to jack that thing. So he ends up sealing a few of his friends in a, in a little glass bottle. Uh, using some magic, and he's like, I'm gonna need you to duel me to get these boys back. <laughs> it's speaking of duels, it's like Yu Gi Oh! and they're going at it in the uh, in the first arc with like the whole uh, stars on the wristband thing. Very similar vibe, you know? Actually, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. What did you guys think, in a, think about um, Lance's like gravity magic? You think that was cool, or like, because it reminded me of what's his name from uh, one piece fujitora yes fujitora oh yeah yeah okay. i definitely thought fujitora vibes or i thought of like if you guys play final fantasy gravica 
which is the gravity spell, which just, mm-hmm. just makes him basically stuck on the ground. It's kind oh, of the same okay. vibe. Got you, got you, got you. I mean, I, enjoy, I enjoyed it. This this was like the first time that we actually seen uh like a semi serious fight take place. So I like it. I could get used to it. It needs to. I wish it was a little bit more action, though, honestly. But we'll take what we can get. Yeah, he thought he had Mash cornered with his with his first little attack, just pushing his face into the ground. But you know, it's all muscle over there. Uh, he he gets up, he starts fighting back. I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, it's it's always fun to see Mash get serious, in my opinion, um, because he is so oblivious. But when he understands what he has to do, I mean, his smarts start coming out a little bit, even if it is just overpowering somebody. Yeah, I, I think was it's fun. Say, when he strips down to the Under Armour in his boxers, you know he's in for a fucking brawl. Oh, it's on. Man stretching, getting stupid loose. I just can't you... believe he had all that time, though, just to strip down and start stretching before, you know, he saved his uh, people, you know? What did you guys think of the hamstring magic? Uh, hamstring magic. Absolutely loved it. The dudes <laughs> Absolutely learned it. loved it. The dudes learned at least he's At least he's uh, calling his spells before he actually does them now, so that's a plus. You know, if he starts calling it magic, people are actually going to think his magic is literally just being yoked as fuck. And that is like a um, an offensive buff or a defensive buff ability, which for him to get through this school, I think he has to start doing that, you know, because people are I mean, people get suspicious. But if he makes them think he's got muscle magic, he's good to go, man. No problem. Yeah, that's all he has to do. And he fooled Lance right there, too. Yeah. Lance thought he was using magic. And uh, that's really the first time we've seen him fool somebody like really right. So through the exam, I think the other contestants or the up, other applicants kind of understood he was just powering through with his muscle. He lied a little bit with like the the um, the boulder thing, saying he was using magic, but obviously he's just palming the fucking boulder. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, it's good to see that this man is actually learning as big of a dunce as he is. Yeah, I I'm just I'm just uh. Curious is the like uh, if the headmaster. I know we talked about it before, but if he actually thinks that Mash is magicless or not, or if, or if uh, that's actually a thing, um, like a superhuman strength kind of thing going on, mm-hmm. like maybe he actually believes that he's got some kind of magic like that, like Lance did. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, with the fake line on his face, you know, it's kind of hard to tell that he technically doesn't have any magic. Maybe he's just really bad with it besides his muscle magic, you know? So it'll be <laughs> really be interesting. It. It'll be really interesting to see where that goes. I mean, we all know the line is fake, but know what the school does. Yeah, I think the Grandmaster knows um, as powerful and as knowledgeable as he is. Like, how could he not? Um, but I don't think he cares. He's just looking for somebody with a good heart that can help him. Um, and that's what his whole test about was with the, you know, the, the second episode. He's like, okay, I got to see what this guy's made of. Uh, I'm putting somebody he loves into a bad situation. What's he going to do? And I think he liked it. So everybody yeah, else though, I think is very solidly fooled. Oh yeah. I mean, it was absolutely ridiculous. So basically when mash, you know, gets ready for his hamstring magic to kick in, uh, Lance <laughs> says he's going to drop his friends who are trapped in the vase. So I guess we didn't say that. So basically how this whole duel starts is that Lance traps his three friends, you know, uh, the girl, Lemon, uh, Lemon Finn, yeah. and then the mm-hmm. Ulo captain, whose name is Tom Knowles, in this magic vase. And um, 
he says, you know, if you like meet me in the forest, we're going at it. You're going to save your friends. And Lance basically says he's going to drop his friends off. Like, I want to say like a hundred foot cliff. It was pretty. It, it was, was pretty it was about fall. that. Yeah, no, it was a pretty, pretty decent fall. Pretty big fall. And um, so he drops the vase and Mash goes full tilt, full power and somehow catches the vase and is back up on the plateau in like five like seconds, that. five seconds. Uh, yeah, Lance I mean, said it was an instant. Yeah, like he didn't even have even time that. to like like re- react to him. Uh, I think he just got to move his eyes around a little bit because he saw him disappear, and before he could even think about doing anything, Mash was already right back up there. And what's impressive is Lance even uses gravity magic on um uh the vase to make it go faster. So this dude like he took more time to warm up than he did. Like it took him longer to say hamstring, hamstring go magic, or whatever. <laughs> to you know, like it was crazy. It's yeah. it just mind blowing. But definitely, man. So we see we see Mash save his friends, obviously, and he lets him out of the vase. But we did get some backstory into Lance, which I thought was really important. So it kind of gives us a flashback with Lance and his family. Um, before we go into that. I guess we should talk about how Mash caught Lance's locket, which had a picture of a girl in it, like a little girl. And Mash is freaking <laughs> out, like, holy shit, this guy's got a lolly complex, which is hilarious. <laughs> I don't think it's, I, any, I don't think it's I, any better what he said, though. I didn't think that they would ever use the word lolly, like actually... In yeah, that was a, a little show odd. like this. And I was crying. <laughs> I was like dying during this part. And the worst part is, is Lance goes, no, I don't have a lolly complex. I have a sister complex, which is like, no. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little off put when he initially initially said that. I was like, okay, this is going very Alabama. Um, But he he cleared it up a little bit. I just, yeah, yeah, I didn't know what kind of infatuation. He just thinks his his sister is very precious. Um, And that's okay. Maybe not to this extent, but that's okay. Yeah, it reminded me of, uh, I think it's Gauche. Is that how you pronounce his name from Black Clover? Who's just obsessed with his little sister. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I got you. And I was like, oh, shit, we're going to know one of these weirdos. <laughs> yeah, this dude, he's just got like a like a like white face with uh, black, black. He looks like a panda, bro. That's what, I don't know if uh, y'all know who I'm talking about. I know ba- Bastone, so. No, no <laughs> idea, dude. No idea. But just giving the viewers, you know. A little picture of who we're talking about because I think I think I, it's Gouch or Gouchy or something like that. I can't I remember know. how to pronounce it. But um, know. the weirdest the poison dude, the weirdest shit dude. Yeah, yeah y'all he's, know. The, he's the mirror, he's the mirror <laughs> mage. He's got mirrors, dude. But um Oh that yes. dude, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're I'm talking about somebody guy. else, bro. Yeah. You're thinking of the wrong guy. But basically yeah, yeah. we get a nice flashback into Lance's backstory where it turns out that his sister was very caring for him in his childhood, his younger sister. And she comes down with an incurable disease that's basically going to take her magic away after five years. And it's basically at that point, her family is going to have to turn her over to the government because, you know, you're not allowed to live in this world without magic, which is really fucked up. Yeah, it's extremely, extremely cruel. So Lance's goal is to become the divine visionary and find a cure for this disease, which is really fucking noble. And I really like his character a lot. Um, You know, He's kind of introduces a villain in this, but you know, based on the intro and his backstory, he's gonna join up in Mash's crew. 
which is starting to really get fleshed out here. And um, it'll be interesting to see how they work together, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and going back to when uh, Lance threw the vase off the cliff and used his magic on it, um, Mash actually outsmarted him. He said, hey, my friends are not in this vase. I know you didn't really throw them off the cliff. Um, so that's kind of, that's, along with that backstory, that's kind of, kind of how we figure out Lance is not like really a villain. Um, he was never going to try to kill them. And he's really just trying to get that, that uh, silver coin that, that Mash has so he can become the divine visionary. Yeah, dude, he's out here just, I think, I think honestly, because he has what, two or three of them now? Lance does, I think it's two. Lance had two, Mash had one. You know, you know for a fact that Lance got one of those hustling some kid, and I'm here for that. Oh, yeah, he, he's nabbing these things. I wonder if that counts, though. Like, if the school's keeping track of how many medals you have, and then you turn in more than what they gave you. I you think know. they said it was okay to win them in duels per school rules. Oh, yeah, that is right. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, so it was a really fun episode. Uh, overall, MASH, again, just ridiculous. I mean, the Quidditch, I mean, Duolo scene was so funny. If you're not watching this show, like that is some of the most like comic bullshit I've ever seen in my life. And it was it was incredible. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good episode. Um, this anime has just kept on bringing heat episode after episode um i'm liking how they're doing the backstories i want to get into like finn's backstory a little bit more and lemons um but i'm sure that'll come with time i want to see uh i want to see uh captain kid over here we ain't I seen was, him yet yeah i was gonna say i think we're getting the red-haired guy in the next episode you know i think they're gonna really flesh out the group Exciting. and then that'll be episode six so then we're gonna get like a solid eight it's a 13 episode season or something like that so yeah it's Probably 12 or 13, yeah. We're going to get some nice action coming up, which I'm really excited for. Yeah, guys. Freaking great. I have one last question. So um, earlier we said that Lance has the two lines on his face, and that makes him a one in 100,000, you know, magic level person. Um, do you guys think the shape of people's lines kind of determines what type of magic they can use? I was thinking about this, and I don't think so, because if you look at, like, old man Regro. Mm -hmm. He's got like a line with a little bit of a curve to it. And so does Wahlberg, the grandmaster. They have a very similar line on their face. Okay. And Regro is like shitty with magic. <laughs> <laughs> and Wahlberg can use arcane level spells. So I yeah. don't know. And if you think about it too, Lance just had two straight lines. So like, I yeah. think it's really just a birthmark, essentially. And, um, you know, maybe it's like related to your lineage or something like that. But I don't think the shape has anything to do with how much magic power you actually have. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was just wondering if, what you guys thought. Cause I was thinking, you know, cause some people have like semicircles, some of them are zigzag. Who knows? You know, I yeah, can see me. something like the length of them being, uh, being an indicator or something like that. But I really don't think the, uh, the shape and stuff of it, uh, describes anything honestly yeah because we, we did see with lance's sister hers was disappearing as yeah. she was losing her magical power so that might be that might be something to look at okay cool guys cool so you guys have anything else for this episode or are you ready to move on no i think we're good to move on yeah so next we're going to talk about my home hero episode five are you happy with the deadline to find Nobuto alive quickly approaching, Tetsuo enlists the help of his wife, Kaisen, to pull one over on the Yakuza. 
As they work on that plan, Tetsuo meets an unexpected man at a bar. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that that kind of hooked me back into the show at the end, but we'll get that later. Um So basically the episode starts off, you know, the last episode ended with a gunshot and we were like, oh shit, what the fuck's happening here? Because, you know, we're thinking, oh man, maybe Tetsuo got shot here. But it turns out that the other members of the organization that Tetsuo is kind of working with come down and they shoot that member of the rival Yakuza. And there's a really, really intense scene where I think it's Kyochi is his name. Mm hmm is getting bullets removed from him by the head of like that minor yakuza group and they're making it as painful as fucking possible as punishment and it was oh gruesome. yeah they were fucking <laughs> him up man uh that was a good first of all that was a good twist to start off on uh i i really enjoyed that i was thinking that somebody else shot that guy uh because it didn't didn't look like uh tetsuo was kind of prepared to shoot anybody he didn't even have the gun at that time um so called that just just pointing that out there. I'm call, I called that um but yeah like he was digging around for the bullet and he he took his time with that he twisted that thing a little uh the tweezers in there pretty hard and then he went to like staple him back up which is I guess what you got to do because you can't take him to the hospital um without getting some questions asked and I think he stapled him a few too many times for that little bullet wound hole it was it was kind of nuts yeah, I mean, he wasn't just using like he was using like a DeWalt stapler you would buy at Home Depot. Like this is like industrial grade, like not at all nice. Those things have a lot more power than an actual stapler and the staples themselves are about like an inch longer and they really get in there. So poor, you know, Kyochi here is getting fucked up right now. Oh, big time, big time. You know, I was I was really surprised because my man Kyochi looked like he was on his deathbed. And this dude is like up and walking around now after having them, like y'all said, the most painful, agonizing uh, surgery removal of the bullets and, you know, procedure. And that's just wild. I, like he act like he was about to die. I, I thought that it would uh, give a little bit more uh, dramatic tension on that. But the next episode, he's just up running around, basically. Like, yeah, I just told him what? to rub, rub some dirt on it. That's all. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you, you got to put on a tough exterior on the boss man, you know? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but to get further into the plot for the episode, um, I guess it's Tuesday because in three days, Tetsuo is going to get killed by the Yakuza. Um, if they don't figure out who the murderer was or they don't find uh, Nabuto, they're going to kill Tetsuo. So him... He starts trying to trying to scheme something up. And guys, you guys want to get into that and talk about like what he had planned? Yeah, I think before we get into that, though, we should definitely talk about the scene where Tetsuo is forced to read. The, oh, my God. Yes. The, uh, the cards, I guess, before we get onto that. So basically, <laughs> they put this dead guy who Kubo shot against the tree. And they make Tetsuo sit there in front of it. And it was the most awkward thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> he's sitting there like, hello, my name is Tetsuo Tuso. And I killed this man with, like, the most awkward smile on his face. And then they make him throw up the peace sign and say, gotcha. Or like, I was like, <laughs> no, what the fuck? It was like, say, yay. Yeah, <laughs> yay. <laughs> And it was like, what the fuck, dude? This obviously looks so staged. 
the peace yeah, signs and yay is what got me, bro. I was yeah. dying. I was like, bro. That being at the end of the video. I mean, like, even if they like, turn that into the police, like, are the police really going to believe that? Even if Tetsuo says, yeah, I did it, you know? I mean, the po- the police are owned by the Yakuza, so it don't really matter too much. You know, they, they got guys on the inside. Yeah, I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. But yeah, that was a that was a funny ass scene. So Tetsuo has a, a couple of videos out of, of some very embarrassing things, very incriminating things so far in the, the series. <laughs> I feel sorry for the man, bro. He's just trying to He's save his daughter. He's going through it, man. He's going so. through it. Oh, but definitely, yeah. dude. But getting back to ba- what Bass was saying, um, basically, they're trying to find a way to fake a Nobuto sighting. And they're going to try and get him on a dashboard cam. And they hired their actor friend from college to come in and play the role of Nobuto, who is like a production guy in movies now. He's kind of I don't know if he's well known or anything. He's probably pretty low budget, but um. He got Kaysen to help with that, and it was really funny because this dude's like, "What are my lines? Like, what do I got to do? All this." I'm like, "No, you just got to walk in front of the camera, dude." And he's like, "We should get a fucking drone, dude. This will be awesome." <laughs> and they're it, like, "It seemed like a little bit of a racket he was running. Two hundred thousand uh, yen for that? Yeah. For yeah, for five minutes." Yeah, no, I don't think this guy's big at all. He, I don't think he'd be charging that or running his production company out of his van. So oh. I, I think that's a one man show he's got going on over there. He's trying to live his dream. He's trying to do something, bro. I don't but know I, what he's doing. I think he's probably got a second job. I definitely thought it was really funny, though, that Kaysen was like, hey, yo, Tabitha, remember that money we loaned you in college that you uh, never paid us back for? I think with interest, <laughs> we're straight here. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, shit, don't bring that up. So he's like, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. So he ends up working for free. Um. So I guess it, they're, they're trying to establish like a Nobutu, Nobutu sighting. Yeah, and uh, a, I wonder no, how I, that's going to work out. I don't really get it. Uh, you know, we see also uh, while this is happening, uh, Tetsuo is over here trying to get into uh, Nobuto's uh, social media, um, I guess, profile or whatever, trying to hack into his uh, account. And I'm just I'm just curious, like why why does he need to hack into the account if they're getting a dash cam footage of him walking by? Like what's the purpose of that? You know I mean Go ahead, Dan. I was gonna say it's just more evidence. I mean, the more you have, the better it is to make a case. Right. And then as far as his his long term plan of trying to set up somebody in the Yakuza and say an in, inside job, I think it gives him more control of saying this is when he actually died. You know, he posted then, you know, this, then it's a video of him crossing the street. He can establish his own timeline about when Nobuto died. So you're, you're thinking that he's like going to actually make a post, um, about something random or something. And then they're going to have this other, uh, video, uh, showing as a second evidence, you know, I thought that they was going to like pay the actor to make like a, kind of video for Ted, uh, Nobuto's uh, social media. You see what I'm saying? That's why I that, thought they was going. Yeah, that'd be really challenging, though, because to do that, I mean, if you post on your social media, usually it's like a selfie. It's not a picture of the back of your head. Yep. And that's, so, why, like, that's why I was so confused, though, you know? Yeah, I just think they're trying to just get as much evidence as they can. But I think Tetsu is digging himself a hole here because he keeps asking Habiki all these questions. And, you know, 
she works for an establishment owned by the Yakuza. And obviously, oh, yeah. if she's getting questions like this all the time, she's going to report that stuff back. And I think that's how we get into the next part where no, she tells Tetsuo that, like, hey, Nobuto hung out at this bar. And conveniently, he walks in and sits down to a very interesting man who he has a conversation with. And the man is obviously, like, depressed because he hasn't seen his son in a while and he's worried about him and all this kind of stuff. Yes. And we come to find out that, I mean, we already knew it, but that's Nobuto's father. And Tetsuo found that out for the first time after he met with him. And I think Tetsuo dug himself a massive hole because he lied about his name there and said he was actually Tabata, who is the, <laughs> the actor, movie production guy, whatever you want to call him. And um, there's no way in hell that Yoshitatsu, who is Nobuto's dad, doesn't know this stuff. Right. I mean, so, he's like, the one, you know, doing the search for his son. He knows all the information. He's getting all this relayed back through uh, Kubo. Yeah, Kubo. So, but, yeah, that, that's going to trip him up eventually. And he was asking him some very pointed questions about, like, you know, parenthood and things like that. So I thought Tetsuo was going to pick up on that. Um, And then you got to see, like, the background distort, you know, even though... Tetsuo still doesn't really understand what's going on. He's just getting this, getting asked these, what he thinks is random questions that have to do with his own situation, not realizing he's talking to the father. Um, but what did you guys think about that scene overall? So I really liked how the camera was moving, like panning left and right to whoever was talking. It's very, it seems like very in place with like uh, an like early 50s detective movie with like the noir style and all that. So like, I thought it was really fun. But when the camera started getting all wonky, like you were fucking tripping on mushrooms, I was like, okay, this is a little too much, man. Like, unless they slip something into Tetsuo's drink that I don't know about, like, why See, is he doing that? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I thought he was about to pass out. I felt like that if they was going to do something like that, they should have, like, focused it on uh, only on uh, uh, Nobuto's dad's uh, point of view. And maybe added color to it to show how he was feeling as well. Because, you know, that would have made sense. But they had it uh, through nobody's point of view. And just showing both of them with the, the background just looking like you're in like a kaleidoscope or something, bro. Tripping balls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tripping balls. I was yeah, like, oh, no, I don't like this. But, yeah, oh, well. but as, as smart as Tetsuo has, has been throughout. Uh, this series so far, I thought he was gonna immediately going to put together, oh, and, and he says to himself, even as he's walking into the bar and going to sit down, he's like, this does not seem like a place where uh, Kabuto would hang out. I thought he's going to put that together, uh, Hibiki working with the Yakuza at their establishment, and then sitting down next to somebody that is uh, asking him, him very, very specific questions that are surprisingly re relevant, right? So I just yeah. thought he was going to pick up on that like immediately and he didn't. And going oh. back to like the, uh, the name situation, uh, Nobuto's dad actually, uh, kind of, um, I think, I think he kind of calls bullshit on it after he gets up and leaves. Um, he's like, that's, that's weird. That doesn't, that doesn't seem right or something like that. Uh, yeah. He's just saying like, that was a fucking lie. Oh, yeah. yeah. When you ask somebody their name, they don't panic normally. They normally <laughs> just say their fucking name. Yeah, definitely, man. <laughs> I, I just... 
So, like, I was kind of losing it with this show a little bit. Like, it was kind of losing steam for me. But I think that mm-hmm. interaction kind of really brought it back up. Because I was like, all right, this is getting dragged out. But now we have some much bigger tension. I mean, this is... Oh, yeah. The head of the Yakuza division versus Tatsuo now. So this is going to be really fun. Um, One thing I did want to say, though, is that... So he was trying to hack into Nobuto's email. And he was trying to reset the password. And the question was, what, you know, name of your pet? Right. And I thought it was interesting because randomly out of the blue, Nobutu's father says the name of what sounds like a dog. And I'm like, oh, this is totally a fucking setup. Like, Hibiki told him the questions he was asking. Like, this is totally a setup. And how is Tetsuo oh. not picking up on this, you know? Like. You think it is a setup? Uh, 100%, oh, dude. it has to be, man. She told him to go to that bar where she knows Nobutu doesn't hang out. No, there's no naked women there. He's not going there. Right. That was a classy establishment. That's not for him. I, I never, I never seen it as a setup. Okay, I see. That's no, interesting. Hundred percent, man. It just seemed too convenient. It just seemed way too convenient. I think Habiki told his father to be there when when he was. Um, this is where he's gonna be. I told him to go here. Ask your own questions. I, I couldn't get too much information out of him. Yeah, he was asking these questions, so maybe try and lay up a little. Uh... A hint or something to get him into this. That way you can pin it on him even further, you know? I mean, everyone's on Tetsu on this. You know, they think he did it. Like, they're just trying to get proof. So I think this will be really interesting to see how it goes now. But it added a lot more depth to what Tetsu was going for, through. And I'm excited for that. Yeah. Another layer. So another thing that uh, like I was really uh, thinking about was when he figured out that uh, t- uh, that was Nobito's dad... Tetsuo ran out of the pub, the bar, and act like he was trying to catch up with him. Like, what do you think? What do you think his? What do you think he's gonna do when he catches up to him if he does? Like, it, I, it doesn't make sense. I mean, if if it was me, I'd be trying to backtrack on me saying somebody else's name. <laughs> obviously, you know, like I'd be like, oh shit, I didn't realize who you were, and you know, I'm here trying to find this information to help find your son. Or is killer, and I just Bat. don't want to have myself incriminated. You know, I'm playing a little detective game here. Yeah, that would be smart for him to do. And I don't. I also think he doesn't want Tabata to get involved in this. He doesn't want to put somebody else in danger. He already didn't want to have Kaisen involved anymore, even though she said, "Hey, you can't just do this by yourself," which I think is true. But I think he's just trying to keep himself on a the straight and narrow, quote unquote. Um, Too late, and, dude. Yeah. And then also just keeping his friend, you know, his college friend out of, out, of, out of trouble. Well, you think about it, too. I mean, if if the Yakuza approached Tap, approached Tapita and are like, what were you doing with this family? I mean, if you were put to gunpoint, you're going to rat him right out, you know? Oh, for sure. It's either that or be dead. So, like, they're going to know what they're trying to do. And it's it's going to fuck him over pretty hard. Um, kind of worried for him. I mean, I don't even think it would take that. I think it would just take uh, Dylan just asking, what was you doing on this day with uh, Kaisen? You know, and he'd be like, oh, I was just, uh, she wanted me to play a part, blah, 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 you know. And that's all so, he needs, yeah. He could just ask him casually. Yeah. And, you He's know, he, smart, he loves acting. You know? He's going to tell them what he was doing. <laughs> He's going to be proud of what he was doing, even though it was basically nothing. He doesn't care. Definitely, man. But I guess we're going to have to see in the next episode, you know, I, they're, they, it's just cliffhanger after cliffhanger with the show, which is really fun. Yeah, yeah, I've been enjoying it. So let's get on to the next one, boys. Um, 
we have Hell's Paradise Episode 5, The Samurai and the Woman. So, in this one, Sagiri wakes up to find the small band of, acqu- band of acquaintances uh, doing pretty well on the island. While the main cast debate about where the elixir of life is, um, Sagiri is making a case to stay on the island. Uh, so I, I'll have some things to say about that in a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, it to open the episode, yeah, she wakes up and it turns out that uh, Gabi Maru has already like scanned the island while she's asleep. And everybody's having a little bit of conversations about what's going on. Gabi Maru's cooking from whatever he could forge, which looked fucking disgusting. Hey man, it's it's basically like granola bars made out of all the shit you can find in the wild. That's all it is. Yeah, um, Just, it's it's food, you know. Like you need something. Yeah, Yuzahira was not excited about eating it when she found out what it was, though. Um, I mean, he can't really uh, scavenge meat because they're people, uh, right? Uh, yeah, I was gonna say you can yeah. eat the giant the giant giant fish monster, you know, grilled out, make some make some <laughs> uh, tuna steaks, I guess, you know. <laughs> Hell no. Hell tuna, no. I ain't touching that. Tuna human steaks, yeah. Hell yeah, no. We're not, we not, we not with that at all. So, um, they're trying to figure out, you know, maybe where the monsters are coming from and figure out the elixir of life. Um, but one of the uh, Yamada uh, clan members is saying, hey, don't go off the picture. Um, this is just something we drew up. So, Gabby Morrow could have been walking around the woods looking for something <laughs> and found it. And it was just right in front of him. Um, did you guys have anything to say about that? Like it was, I thought that was really funny that they gave them a picture and was like, yeah, this is not actually what it looks like. It was a Clementine dude. Like why is the elixir of life going to look like a Clementine or orange man? Like it made no sense. I was like, what the fuck dude? Yeah. And I think they were saying that like they were trying to pull it from uh, mythology. Um, but I don't think that applies here. Hell man. If it's oranges, I'm fucking immortal already. Cause I love me an orange. <laughs> Gotta get that vitamin C in dog. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't think that. I think when they see it, it'll. You know, they'll know that that's what it is. You know, if we ever do see it, who knows? <laughs> yeah, I think. I think somebody's gonna find it eventually. Um, think so? I think so. Yeah, that would be as a huge letdown. This whole show's about finding <laughs> the elixir of life, so they can get part, and we never even get to see it. We're definitely that would not gonna. We're definitely not going to see it this season. This manga ran for like 120 episodes. There's at least three seasons of this, I would guess. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's a little far off. A little bit. <laughs> so but, yeah. I was going to say, what do, what do you guys want to get into in this episode? There's a lot that went on. So I guess we got to start methodically attacking it, you know? Yeah. Um, you guys want to get into um, kind of Sagiri's problems with with her staying on the island and whatnot? Yeah, definitely. Cool, cool. So the other Yamada clan members know that uh, Sagiri is like the daughter of the lead person in the clan. So they're telling her she needs to go home, be a, be a woman, and go have kids for the clan. And they're even telling her, you know, we can't have a woman leader. Um, you're, you're not even qualified to be here, which I think she might be a little bit of a scrub uh, when it comes to combat. Um, but yeah, so Genji is giving her the rundown and trying to make her leave to get on the boat. Um, you guys want to give some thoughts on it? Cause I thought it was fucking ridiculous. Honestly, she's a bit of a scrub, but you can't tell her to go home. I don't think. Yeah. I think on that front, it's tough for us to compare it to, cause you know, we're looking at it through today's eyes for sure, for sure. But this is Edo period, Japan. 
And I mean, back then, a woman with a sword is that, that, that it's beyond progressive. Let me put it that way. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's un, it's unheard of. And, um, you know, I think we look at it through the, the lenses of somebody in 2023 where, you know, we want to empower women and everything like that. Sure, but back sure. then, man, it's like, what the fuck are you doing? You should be at home making <laughs> making blankets and popping out kids, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's the case they're trying to make. Um. But I thought it was I thought it was wrong because she's been training for this her whole life, just like anybody else. Um, kind kind of though, but Genji does go into it where she does have exceptional sword skills as a sword tester and executioner. Sure, but she's never actually been in any real combat, and this is a combat. This is a fucking war zone, you know. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Just because you can swing a sword doesn't mean you can defeat monsters and actually have battle sense, you know. So I think he did have <laughs> some pretty valid points, and we've seen Sagiri kind of freeze flail. up and flail, flail yeah. and everything else so like he, he's bringing up valid points but you know i think this is going to be an episode or a show where we see a lot of growth out of her and it's going to be really fun and my boy genji probably shouldn't put her down like that because i want to see her get better oh yeah for I sure think, yeah i think she will i think i think she has potential uh right now to be uh like a top uh yamada clan uh fighter but I think uh, with everyone always putting her down and uh, making her want to be a woman, that uh, she has lost her confidence. And plus, she's struggling internally with uh, the uh, the bodies climbing up her and stuff like that um, as the death count rises. So I think once she figures out how to uh, be more confident and uh, uh, figure out how to control her inner self and i think that's gonna come with uh gabby maru helping her and she's gonna be top dog y'all wait y'all watch to see i think she will be i don't um, know about top dog but she'll figure it out yeah i think she got some potential i mean um genji was acting like he was gonna slash her down and she straight up jucked his sword from him before he even realized it She's got a little combat in there somewhere, but she, like you said, Tyler, she's just running around scared. She gets overwhelmed very, very easily. But she went toe to toe with Gabby Maru a couple times and kind of held her own. Um, of course, Gabby Maru is, you know, way, way more better, you know. But yeah, yeah, at the same time, to say at the same time though, Gabby Maru could have killed her probably forty-seven times in that showdown, and he was fighting <laughs> his inner self trying to become a better person. So, I mean, if he really wanted to, she's, she's already dead. <laughs> I mean, for sure. I mean, he's probably the most powerful person we've seen to this point in the anime. Oh. Um, but even he said that, like, you know, when he was tied up about to get executed, he saw some, some viciousness in her and was wondering where that was. So I think, like, like you said, Tyler, I think she's got some, some goat in her. she got that dog in her somewhere. Uh, she's got, she's got the bloodline, too, really you know? has, Yeah, yeah. And I, I would imagine her dad is the person training her. Um, and even to Genji's point, her not having battle experience. How do you get battle experience? You go to a fucking war zone. Pretty much. Yeah. You ain't wrong. <laughs> you ain't wrong. But so, uh, I go ahead. I was just, I thought it was really interesting if, if you guys are done with that, how it seg segues in the next topic because Genji wants her to get on a boat and leave. And we see another member of the Yamada clan with. A little girl or boy at the time we thought named Nuragai, who is a member. Basically, he's a member of like, 
I don't I don't know what to call them. They said it, but I can't think of it. It's kind of like a gypsy like group outside of the like the yeah, power like of the Shogunate. Yeah, yeah, like they're mountain just man. mountain villagers who don't live under the Shogunate's rule. And basically they're going through and they, they're like, fuck it, we out of here. And the Yamada clan member is like, you know, you're too good for this. This is you shouldn't be here even. Like, this is ridiculous. And um so they leave on the boat and they come across like a graveyard of ships. And then all of a sudden they start getting attacked by like these giant penis shaped squid monsters. <laughs> I thought that was honestly hilarious. I couldn't even take it serious because uh, it, it did just look a bunch of dicks. It was supposed <laughs> to be a Kraken, but it just looked like a bunch of dicks. I and... honestly thought it was like semen, bro. Yo, I was like, they got, oh they got this shit like coming <laughs> this up out the water. Quickly. Like, what are y'all doing over here? But I was like, I don't know, I don't know, man. <laughs> but yeah, it, it was looking like um, that monster attacks anything that tries to leave the island. Um, because like like Dan said, there's a bunch of ship uh, shipwrecks, uh, piles of ships in the, in the sea, which has to be a lot of fucking ships. Um, but I thought it was interesting having that. And then, but we saw in the first episode at the end of it, where there was a small boat that got floated all the way back to Japan. Don't know how far that is, but, and it was unharmed. So what do you, what do you guys think was going on there? Well, just like, just like, uh, what, uh, the, I don't know what his name is, the executioner, uh, with the, uh, one girl, uh, she, he says that. Uh, there has to be a way out because somebody did make it back. So the current, there has to be a current somewhere and he's got a point, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, when they get in this situation, Tenza, who is a member of the Yamada clan, just starts going ham and striking these dick octopuses down. Like it's his job, which is fucking <laughs> awesome. But basically they make the decision that they have to return to the Island because they're not going to be able to escape because of everything out there. And I thought it was interesting that like the island is doesn't let you leave. Like once you get there, you're not making it out. And I thought that was crazy. Yeah, I had never even thought about that. I thought they would just be able to leave at will. Um, but apparently not. There's a giant kraken out there that will drop your ass. But that was a really fun scene. Um, we got some backstory on what was the uh, the mountain mountain girl's name again. Uh, Nuragai, I believe. Nur yeah, Nuragai. Um, she had some a little bit of trauma of her own. She actually led the shogunate uh, to her village, and it's illegal to live outside of the domain, or I guess outside of the control of the shogunate. And her entire village got slaughtered right in front of her eyes. And that's really the only reason she got put in this whole situation is because, you know, she was just trying to help some people, uh, and they tricked her. So that was that was tough to watch. Um, even if she was seeing dead bodies, she was seeing flashbacks of her father. Um, and she really just didn't even want to be there or live. I mean, no one wants to be there, I don't think. But she was trying to decide if she wanted to live or not. So Tenza was trying to get her to like kind of snap out of that. And uh, But they got some good teamwork going on there uh, towards the end. She got a little sauce. She got some motion with her. But Definitely, did you guys man. think she was a boy or a girl when we first saw her? I thought she was a boy. I mean, 
you know, everything looking at her. <laughs> For sure. It, she just looks like a little tomboy, you know? And I mm-hmm. was, the scene when they get back to the island is really funny because they're like, oh, we should clean up, you know, get all this blood off us and stuff. And Tenza's out there and then he looks over and he's like, hey, uh, you've got a pretty girlish figure for a dude. And then she just turns around, butt naked. Full frontal. Full frontal, like, what do you mean? I'm a chick, dude. And he's like, whoa. Yeah, Timsa couldn't take it. So is that what, have y'all ever done that? Like, you're out hanging with your bros, and you look over, and all of a sudden you're like, uh, you seem like you've got a pretty girlish figure, bro. What's up no, with that? No, I, I usually don't bathe naked <laughs> on a beach with my buddies. <laughs> I, I will say I used to hang out with these guys. Uh they lived like a few miles from me. Um and like it's it's a trailer park. It's a trailer park. And like we used to hang out at the school and whatnot. And we were also also hanging out with a few other people I didn't really know well. And I did not know one was a girl because she was wearing her brother's hand me downs her whole life. And we were like ten or eleven. And then I think I called her like a boy or something like that and she hit me. And <laughs> her brother was like, yo, that, you know, so-and-so's a girl. I'm like, and I thought they were fucking with me. So I've been in that situation, maybe not the full frontal part, but I've definitely mistaken somebody for uh, being a boy before. I just yeah. think that's a weird question to ask, bro, out of nowhere. <laughs> well, Hey, I, man. Riz. I guess. <laughs> dude, dude, I don't know, man. I don't know about him. Yeah, I thought that was a funny little scene, though. Um, I also thought um, Nagurai could have been a, a person of African descent. I'm a, I'm a black man, so I'm always looking for black people in anime. And uh, she had some really curly hair. But it just turns out they're just mountain people. Yeah, I'm always looking for black people in anime like Piccolo. I would um, say Ido, Ido uh, period Japan. There's not uh, many of them, right? Didn't have <laughs> any? Any no. people? That shit was pretty locked down, you know? That's very true. There was one black samurai, but that, that's pretty much it. And I don't think that I don't think that Niraga, um, the mountain village girl, I don't think she has much capacity herself as far as uh hiding. I think she's just a uh somebody that uh um Tenza felt sorry for and was just like, Hey, let's go let's do this. Dip. Yeah. Do you do you I- think that uh she actually has a he was saying that uh, they can go back and he could talk them out of it, killing her for coming back. Do you think that's even a shot? No, I think, he, I think he gets slaughtered too if he tries to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, I think she could have some capacity for fighting. I mean, she's a mountain girl, so she probably, you know, grew up fighting bears and shit in the woods. So she also made it out of that melee yeah. from a few episodes I think, ago. I think we're going to get yeah. surprised by her. I think we're going to get surprised by her down the line. How? Did it even show? Like, I don't, I don't remember showing doing. her at all. Um, I think it just showed like more of the more prominent criminals. But I mean, she made it out of that alive. Maybe she was hiding. So I have no idea. And we're supposed to be getting the uh, Awagakuri clan coming soon. Um, I'm 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 hoping that has a, a lot of uh, um, action and uh, tense scenes. I I'm hoping. Gabby Maru and them like doesn't just like demolish the whole clan by himself. So do you think he'll be able to? Um, I don't think he can take down the whole clan. I think he could take a lot of these guys in one v one. I mean, he is Gabby Maru with the Hollow. He is a legend around these parts, if you know what I'm saying. And um, 
I think that he could take a lot of them one on one. But you see in the first episode, you know, he gets taken down by like a group of 20 of them. So I definitely don't think he can take it down. But I think he's one of the top dogs in that in, in that village, in that clan, you know? Yeah, I think if they get to the island and they, you know, I think they start off by like probably killing the other criminals first and then they jump him because they know what he's capable of. Um, they're not going to try to want unless we get some ninja with some really big egos. I don't think they're going to try to one V him. You know, yeah, definitely. They've taken him down before, so why, why, why wouldn't they be able to again? Yeah, I think, though, he's going to rely on his little ragtag team they formed and those bonds yes, of friendship sir. that are coming up. You know, I think they're going to be able to take him down as a team. So, interesting Plus, I mean, to see. Best girl, you know, uh, she's definitely going to have her say in this, so. <laughs> God <Well>. bless. All <laughs> right. <laughs> you guys want to get on to the next episode? Or? Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So, next episode, we're going to talk about uh, Insomniacs After School, episode four, called Venus. So, Nakami invites Magari to the firework festival, swearing that they'd only be going together for photography practice. And Magari promptly accepts. So, this episode actually starts with the girls uh, just chilling, hanging out, drinking some bubble tea after a long, hard test. Have y'all ever had bubble tea? Do y'all like it? What's up? That shit yeah. is delicious. I was just, I've had bubble tea like <laughs> once or twice maybe, and it's it's been pretty good. You know, it's there's this little place called Gong Cha around me that makes it. So that's oh. that's where you gotta go get it. It's like a little chain. Nice, nice, nice. So I've only had like one thing like that. It's from Sonic. It's that uh uh it's got the little uh balls of the slushy with the little balls in it, you know? Very different. Sonic dog. Very different. <laughs> Bubble tea is like milk tea with with the balls, not yeah, a it's slushy. like the tapioca balls. Oh my god! It had the balls in the dog, bro. I was almost getting choked. <laughs> no, he was he was drinking like the balls you get at like the froyo place that are taste like mangoes and strawberries and shit in the bottom of slushy, calling it bubble tea. Yeah, that shit was choking me, bro. I was like, no, nah, I ain't doing this shit again, bro. Just give me a regular slushy. That's shit. hilarious. You know, I actually um I had some girls introduce me to bubble tea when I was in like middle school. It's like a spot we used to meet up uh to go hang out on the river beforehand. Astronomy club, a different club. A oh. different club. Oh, okay. <laughs> the, the, hood, hood, the hood rat shit with your friends club. Oh. Yeah, that's more like it. That sounds about <laughs> right, right there. But no, yeah, I've, I've had a lot of bubble tea. Uh, I'm a big fan. Okay, I see y'all. Yeah, but from that, uh, Magiri actually starts inviting some of her friends to the um, meteor shower viewing that they're going to have in August. And they seemed really interested in it. I, I was a little surprised, but... Thinking back to being like a kid, you know, going to the school at night seems very, very fun. Um, is this something that you guys would have been interested in doing when you were younger? Uh, only if there's girls up there, bro. Hey, facts. <laughs> I was going to say, I went to all that stuff at school. Like, I mean, like the big thing for us is all the sporting events were at night because we had lights on the field. So like we'd all go hang out at that. It's the same kind of thing. You know, if I was like, oh, I could watch a meteor shower with all my classmates, that'd be really fun. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Do you think this gives like an opportunity to reintroduce uh, some ghost type shit too? I don't think they will. Um, I think they're just going to make jokes out of it. I think there's, I think uh, Magiri is going to try to like scare people. I think that'd be really fun. I, I, she's devious like that. So I'm expecting <laughs> that from her. 
I can see that, but she's gonna be too up and she's gonna be too busy with her new little boy toy she's got running her now, you know. Hey, <laughs> he don't even know, bro. But there yeah. was one friend there that I I don't like her. It's uh, which one was it? Motoko Kanikawa. She's the blonde girl. Mm-hmm. Who Big basically tails? just yeah, who doesn't like Nakami because he's just uh, he's smart. And she's like blaming he finished his test and he's passed out on his desk. And she's blaming him for distracting her from her test. And she didn't get the answer to the last question because of that. And I'm that like, yo, right. okay. Like, how about you do your girl. test? Would y'all then, be mad? Would y'all be mad if this turned into a a polygon type thing instead of I, just a slow burn romance rom com? Polygon type thing? Well, like a Love uh, triangle. three people yeah. Yeah. Polygon is five, right? Well, that's what they call it, I think, <laughs> or something in anime. I don't know. A harem, bro. A no, smaller is, harem. If this goes if, that way, I'm done watching. We're done. We're if, turning it what off. If blonde, yeah, yeah, yeah. What if blonde pigtail chick is actually crushing on the dude because he's smarter than her? No. And she, that comes she, into I play think she's later. just a hater, bro. I think she's, she's out there with a, a fiery passion, dude. She's not crushing on him. She wants to watch him burn. You see that later in the episode hey. when they're in home at class and they're making right. aprons. And she's like, I'm going to fucking win. I'm going to be done before him. And then she sews her, she, she her skirt to the apron like an <laughs> idiot. Hey. She's working too fast. I've seen a lot of slides live at rom-coms and usually this shit starts out like this and then all of a sudden oh, they're, they're just trying to get each other, bro. Tyler, if you want us to keep watching that show, the show, keep that to yourself because I'm, <laughs> I'm not dealing with that shit. I'm fucking, I'm an old man. I don't need that in my life. Oh shit, okay, okay. Now <laughs> back, to, back, back to, forget I said that. Forget I said that. Yeah, so... Magari invites her friends to the meteor shower that they're going to have at the school. And everyone is like, oh, that's so awesome. And then Motoko is like, yeah, but Nakami is the president. So fuck that guy. I guess I'll go. And I'm like, you, what, you, what, do you what is that? what is that even like, that? Yeah. yeah what is, why what are you going to do that? <laughs> yeah, no, she's just a straight hater. I don't think she has any romantic interest in, in our in our boy. Um, but we also see uh, Ukigawa getting involved in the astronomy club he's between jobs right now and he's saying hey i got some time to go hang out um until my part-time job starts up it's cool that we're gonna get introduced to some more characters i think it would have gotten stale if we would have just been focused on um our two main characters and maybe uh ue their mentor so i'm excited to to get some more people up in the mix get some more relationships going because that's what's keeping me into in this um some of the goals him uh Nakami working on his camera work, trying to perfect that has been pretty interesting to watch. But yeah, I think we need more characters, develop a little bit more depth, and that's going to keep me engaged on this. I think Yukigawa was just uh, more interested in uh, this other chick that, uh, um, you know, uh, Nakami was talking about. And I think that he wanted to see what Nakami was doing over there. Uh, by himself, you know, oh, going to sure. visit some random alumni, you know. What's up? Yeah, I was going to say, I did really like how they were playing Shogi. And uh, so basically, you know, Nakami being a borderline genius here is probably kick ass at Shogi. If you guys don't know what Shogi is, it's Japanese chess. It's the same idea. 
And to throw Nakami off his game, Yukigawa just starts talking about Magari, like, hey, well, you've been hanging out with this girl a lot. What's up? And he starts blushing like crazy, loses his focus <laughs> on the game, and Yukigawa <laughs> takes his one of his pieces. I don't know which one it was, but I was like, yo, this guy's got the he's got the smarts. He's street smart. Oh, for sure. Yeah, he had to find a way to get a leg up. Um, I think he is interested in their relationship, but when they actually went to Yui's place, um, him and Nakami show up first. But he leaves when Magiri gets there, um, being a real bro. Uh, I think everybody could use a friend like this in high school. He's like, the third wheel should just leave. And he goes home (laughs) on his bike. Um, So he's definitely interested, but he's not too nosy. Which I, I like that. I like him well, for that. No, one. you know, he's got to let him be. And he's, he's got to let, you know, Nakami Let do him his, cook. He's got to let him cook. <laughs> exactly. And um, I thought that scene was hilarious. And I really enjoyed how it's actually. So he's like basically napping in a tent in front of this like video arcades. And somebody starts shaking the tent and he gets all pissed off. And his Yukigawa and is actually Magari. And he just starts blushing like crazy. Like, oh, shit, it's my girl. <laughs> <laughs> Are y'all liking like the speed at which their relationships coming together? So I think we saw this from a million miles away, but uh, is it a little faster than what you guys expected? Slower? Well, I mean, it's been probably a, a week or two, right? And I feel like that's moving yeah. at a pretty realistic pace. It's not like it's. I hate shows where shit just happens like instantaneously. So I'm glad it's kind of not like a like not as slow of a burn as I thought it was going to be, but it, it's picking mm-hmm. up for sure. I think the uh, I think the fireworks is uh, that's a classic. Uh, uh next step uh scenario so we'll see what happens oh yeah i'm I'm pretty sure when we first started watching this i was like there's gonna be a fireworks thing at some point in this it's going through summer vacation it's gonna happen (laughs) and um what i thought i think is cool is like it seems like they're like you said dan it's the pacing for their relationship seems pretty good um it seems like it's developing naturally right you hang out with somebody you get to know them then you start to like them especially as a kid I think it's weird as hell, which I get it. The dude's the dude's like you said, a genius. He's kind of a little bit shy. Uh we figured out. But I think it's still weird as hell that when uh when uh McGarry pulls up and says hi to her to him and he's he just like looks at her and it's just like, Oh, peace, bro. Let's go. He's shy. He's shy and he's in front of all of her friends. And like, if you're put in that situation, you're shy. You're going to do the same thing. There's no doubt in my mind. Oh, yeah. He can get that kind of game. say yet. bye, bro. Or hi. I don't know. Do something. Shit. Yeah. Ukagaho was like, that was one way to say hello. <laughs> that's just that's just making it more awkward and confirming it even more. You know? Oh, for sure. Now they get care, teased though. even more. She, does, she so. doesn't care. She knows what's going on here. Yeah. Um. <laughs> To me, this is kind of like refreshing to see. Uh, I am 30 years old, and dating is very much more pointed than this. Uh, you got on a first date with somebody, and it's like, you know, what are your fucking life goals? So it's good to see some just some kids, you know, hanging out, getting to know each other naturally. It's pretty cool. <laughs> it's very, it's a stark, it's a stark uh, contrast. I was gonna say, I'm glad I got that shit squared away when I was like 21. Hey, I'm happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's mean out these streets, dog. It's mean out here. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we also uh uh Nakami and uh I don't know if I got his name, but one of the dudes dudes uh students um they get caught outside 
and they're kind of like in the bathroom uh or they could see each other outside or whatever and they're kind of in the bathroom just chilling or whatever peeing mm-hmm. and uh the dude just chilling starts having peeing. a conversation Team with chilling. uh with uh nakami and i'm just like is he that type of guy like like do y'all just like have random like uh conversations while you're taking a leak at the urinal yeah why not man hell nah uh, what? leave me alone bro <laughs> leave, leave me alone i'm trying if to take wanna, a piss if you want to make someone feel very uncomfortable that's when you do it dude and that's what he was doing so this was um so there's a scene before this where basically they have their big summer camping trip plant coming up and they get put in groups based on their alphabetical order and they're gonna have to do things and he gets paired up with this guy whose name i can't remember either but this guy, he's like the cool kid in school, you know, he's like one of the little troublemakers. He's a delinquent, little, yeah. Delinquent, yeah. And so Nakami is going out at night to try and take pictures of this guy because he's, you know, he's trying to work on his craft and it's cloudy. So he's talking to Ukagawa on the phone and Ukagawa brings up the whole date scenario that they got going off <laughs> the fireworks and he gets all flustered. But at that point, he's like, OK, I can't take pictures tonight. It's too cloudy. So he starts biking home. And his classmate sees him, and he's like, that's kind of weird. What is Goody Two-Shoes doing out at midnight right now? What's going on with that? Exactly. So that's why he confronts him in the bathroom, because he wants to just figure out what he's doing and see, like, hey, what are you up to, man? You got a backpack full of stuff? This is fucking sus. He literally uses the word sus, and I laughed my ass off. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) But So they're having this conversation how, like, you know, like, what are you going to do? Tell a teacher? And he's like, no, I can't tell a teacher because how did I see you out at midnight if I wasn't out at midnight? And it turns out Sensei is in the in taking a shit. <laughs> and they're having this conversation. And all of a sudden, the door just opens. And there's like a 6'5 man just staring at them like, that was an interesting conversation. Let's take that to the to the teacher's lounge because we're going to have a little talk here. <laughs> we got to have a discussion, bro. <laughs> and the teacher starts grilling them like, you know, if you guys are having trouble sleeping at night, you should do exercise and get jacked because that'll make you tired at night. And he, <laughs> the teacher says something along the lines of like, you know, if you can't sleep at night, there's something you're not healthy. There's something wrong with you. And that brings Nakami back to when Magiri was like, hey, I was really sick as a kid and I had problems and, you know, I don't want right. to tell people about this because they're going to assume these problems are coming back. So when nakami hears this he gets set off and he calls his teacher an asshole which is pretty pretty bold oh yeah that's way outside of his uh character right there i was shocked i was like holy shit i did not see that coming from him no i did not see that going there at all um so that'll be fun to see how he actually reacted to that in the next episode um but i think he's gonna get put on lockdown a little bit Um, i don't know about lockdown but he's gonna they're gonna be even watch from the closer eye you know and he finds out that he can't, they can't take the camera on the camping trip to try and take pictures of the sky and work on it and everything else. Mm-hmm. And there's a really adorable scene where Magari basically just, you know, Akami's down in the dumps. He's all pissed off that he can't bring his camera. He's sad. And Magari grabs his cheeks and makes him smile. And it was really adorable. And she was making all these weird little charms to try and spray <laughs> the rain away. It was, it was, it was really cool. cool yeah. <laughs> Nakami's Nakami's a little MVP right now. Uh she's just she's uh well sorry, Magiri's a little MVP right now. She's trying to make Nakami feel a little bit better about what's going on. It being cloudy outside. 
because uh, I don't think uh, Nakami has much else going on with his life, and he kind of needs this to like focus his energy and uh, keep himself happy. And she definitely, gets that. Man. She definitely gets that. Yeah, and I mean, she's got a crush on him, so she wants to see him happy. You know, it's, it's all coming together. It is. It is. Um, uh, how do y'all think uh, Nakami's gonna react when he wakes up and finds her cuddled up to him? Things gonna lose his shit. Yeah, <laughs> straight panic. <laughs> He's just, um, find, he's just gonna find his her drool on his back and everything else. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think McGeary is is settling into the fact that she uh, really likes uh, Nakami because I mean the episode closes out and she's you know she says that she's falling asleep being Big Spoon. Um, she loves the sound of his heartbeat, and I was like, oh okay, she's really leaning into this thing. I think our boy's gonna need some more time, but <laughs> but I thought that was really cool. It's a it's a big step to you know at least say that to yourself yeah dude, they're gonna be they're gonna be walking over the seven bridges or whatever uh yeah <laughs> oh for uh, sure that was a whatever, huge setup a huge setup whatever uh story they were talking about they're actually get accidentally gonna do it and then she's gonna realize and she's gonna blush and then they'll have their first kiss and it'll be adorable yeah it will be very adorable oh no yeah y'all, y'all forgot some when they have their first kiss somebody's gonna walk up and see them and break it up no. Oh, somebody's going to see it. I think somebody's going to see uh, it. Classic intervention, you know? Nah, dude. Yeah, it'll be the blonde girl. And yeah. then we're going to see... Hater. Naka Ukagawa come out of nowhere and just tackle this bitch into a pond. It's be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's trying to get a fight scene out of this somehow. Hey, they're going to be back in the background, you know, holding up the signs like Mashal's, uh, Mash's grandpa and uh, uh, whatever <laughs> his name is with the trees, you know? But yeah. For sure, for sure. Awesome. You guys want to get a Demon Slayer? Let's oh, get it. Yeah. All right. So on to Demon Slayer Season 3, Episode 4, named Thank You, Tokito. While Tokito saves Kotetsu from a goldfish demon, the Swordsmith Villages realizes they're under attack. To help save the village, Tanjiro, Nezuko, and Genya fight the many personalities of Hantengu, while Tokito scrambles to help Mr. Haganazuka. There was a lot going on in this episode. That's all I'm going to say to start. Oh, um, yeah. Basically, we get we get little repeat of the goldfish slaying by Tokito and the Mist Hashira, which was awesome. But we come to realize that he's like, I sliced off its head and it didn't die. This isn't a demon. This is some blood demon art or whatever the fuck they call it. The You know, their abilities. Demon blood art. Demon yeah. blood art. Blood demon art. Demon blood art. There we go. <laughs> So he thinks the next best thing is like, I'm going to I'm going to slash this weird looking vase off the top of it. And thinking of that, I was like, oh, this is Gyoko's blood demon art, the upper rank number five, because he's got a thing for vases. Right. So this must be how he attacks because he's stuck in a vase. He doesn't have a lot of offense, you know. That is true. That so is he true. Just, this he is just, he's a swarmer. He's got goldfish, an army of goldfish monsters, <laughs> which is so ridiculous. I love how creative they are. With the demon's abilities, um, and just seeing a massive, what probably six foot goldfish, in, at least in height, have yeah, a giant legs. fucking veiny vase on the back of it with legs and arms—it's fucking hilarious. So, speaking of this creepy ass goldfish, which one do y'all find more creepier, this uh, Demon Slayer's version or Hell's Paradise version of the fish? Oh, Hell's mm, Paradise, yeah. a thousand percent. That thing had six arms, dude. You think so? 
Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, and it was standing upright. That shit had me tweaking, bro. Yeah. It was praying, dude. Like this is just a goldfish cow hybrid. So I was gonna say Hell's Paradise too, but um when the when the uh goldfish or whatever they was was running, mm-hmm. it was making like squishy noises. Did y'all hear that shit? <laughs> yeah, they're wet, dude. They're, they're, they're fucking wet. wet. They're fish. <laughs> That's creepy as shit, bro. <laughs> but the their appearance is not that creepy to me. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it's fucking weird. It has all arms of it and together, legs, though. Like... Nah, not as creepy as a praying Buddha goldfish with six arms that shoots giant extendo Luffy arms out of it. You know, like that shit was terrifying. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I'd be way more scared of that thing. And like, it, it just appears bigger, right? It's it, that thing was huge. Um, the praying arms and the beads did not help. But one thing that kind of like took me out of the episode was like, we saw a little bit of the CGI fish in the last episode, right? Um, but this episode, it lasted a little bit longer. The CGI was okay, but it, like, it just didn't fit with everything else that was going on around it in the environment. And that kind of took me out of it a little bit. Um, the animation in the series obviously is amazing. Um, that's one of the things it's known for, but I just thought it, was, I just thought it, it looked a little out of place to me. Did you guys feel that way at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, Demon Slayer does a really good job of blending the CGI with the animation, but the goldfish definitely stuck out a little more than some of the other stuff. I remember when I first watched Mugen Train in theaters, I was like, holy shit, this is way too much CGI. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, after rewatching again, I was like, okay, they did a pretty good job with this. It kind of just caught me off guard i guess because i wasn't expecting it because they hadn't done a lot of like cgi demons before that you know that's very true i think that's more what it was for me as well it's just a little off guard in that way i just didn't like it bro <laughs> just because it was like the, the sound i don't like, like the, the sound no, <laughs> yeah, like the cgi well, is out supposed, the window it's supposed just, to creep you out tyler he, he Look, just doesn't I'm, like the fish I'm a big fisherman in real life, and this shit makes me not want to fish. Okay, like, you're, that's you're not. Yeah, you're not catching giant carp boy fish monsters, dude. You're catching <laughs> bass <laughs> and trout or whatever you're getting down there. Yeah, we fish, need to load yeah. a pond, Dan, and, and and take them to it. <laughs> Get some bases and put them on. The, and I'm fucking around. Um, but we also learn a little bit more about the Mishashira Tokito. Um, while he's saving uh Kotetsu. He gets a little flashback, and we learned that either in the past or right now, he's lost a lot of his memory. Um, I did not see that coming at all, and I think that kind of explains why he might be a detached, like, emotionless person. You know, he might have the body of himself, but he doesn't feel like himself, and that makes him very much less empathetic. And I think that's what... hmm? Tokito to hollow. (laughs) very good that's on the cuff too I mean going off that though I really liked how he's the mist Hashira because his mind is shrouded in mist essentially and I thought that was some really good storytelling on Demon Slayer's part yeah I thought it was pretty awesome do you guys still think he doesn't have his memory or do you think that was like in the past I I still don't think he has his memory back and I think he has an issue remembering things because the dude is a goddamn space cadet oh yeah he does have problems uh, remembering people, he, he forgets who Nez- he forgets who Nezuko is, and she was the <laughs> key point of a massive Hashira meeting. You know, Hello. like that is right. Yes, and I think it's really fitting for his character and the fact that he is the Mist Hashira. So I really enjoyed that. Um, 
But I also really enjoyed when he's done with the flashback. He kind of is making some decisions on how to approach this. And he's thinking that, you know, he needs to go to the village and protect them. But Kotatsu convinces him basically that like, hey, this sword might be the key here. We need to go save Mr. Haganazuka. And for the first time, Tokito is going with his gut, which I thought was some really big character development. I mean, we've only seen him for a few episodes now, but that's just not something I thought he would have done, you know? Yeah, I think he's a very, he's typically like a very cold person. Probably has to do with his memory, but he just tries to make logical decisions and not use his heart. But him understanding that, you know, he could, uh, Mr. Haganu, Haganazuka could, uh, hey, I did, did it, guys. It. I did it. He yes. Did it. He did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, could be the key to all this, um, you know, just polishing up that sword. He, he, he makes a decision, you know, I need to go protect this guy instead of going after the entire village and protecting everybody. Um, so, yeah, like you said, big character development. Uh, I'm really excited to see how he develops during this arc. I think this is going to be huge for our guy. Oh, definitely. They've done a really good job of that with every Demon Slayer character they've introduced. So I'm excited to see how they do it with Tokito. And I think they're going to go a little more in depth with it, too, because his character is a lot less set in stone like Rengoku and Tengu, uh, Tengen were and all that. You know, they, they had a very vivid backstory, but they were also very set in their morals. Yeah, they and knew I who think they were. Yep. We're going to see a lot more growth out of Tokito than Miss Tashiro. So I'm excited for that. Yeah, Tanjiro is going to rub off on him, too. So. Oh, We're already seeing time. it. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah, but going back to the fight with uh, Han Tengu and uh, the rest of the gang. So he's been sliced up a few times, uh, Han Tengu, and he's split into pretty much four different demons: is joy, anger, pleasure, and sorrow. Um, we got uh, our boy Tanjiro fighting. I believe it is the joy, uh, Takaru. Takaruku, whatever. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's actually the, uh, Karaku. Okay. Um, the harpy demon. And he's very distraught about, you know, how am I going to kill this guy? If every time I freaking slice him, he breaks up into more powerful demons. So just to save himself, he slices him one more time and he figures out, oh, he gets weaker if we slice him up now. He's down to his four parts. And I mean, our boy, uh, gets a really, really excited look in his eye. But he's still getting absolutely washed. Did you guys think that's how it was going to work? Or do you, did you think that uh, Hantengu was going to keep just multiplying? I mean, for the sake of the story, I figured there'd have to be an endpoint for it. And okay. four, four kind of makes sense. Um, you know, I mean, there's a million emotions out there, but they kind of hit four of the really big ones, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Especially when it comes to, like... I don't want to say demonic, but like, you know, like demon like sins. I mean, pleasure, joy, fear is the original one. And you've got the other two. So I think, it, you know, for the sake of the story and for the sake of them actually being able to beat this guy, I think they had to have an endpoint, you know? True. And I do want to uh, make a correction. Uh, pleasure is the one that, uh, that, that he's fighting. It's uh, Urogi. Oh, okay. It's the harpy demon. Yeah. Just wanted to okay. point that out there. But yeah, I figured there was going to be an endpoint, maybe. But I was also thinking back to um, to Nezuko's uh, blood demon art, or whatever we're going to call it, um, because it's fire. I thought she would be able to burn them. I thought that was going to be a key later on. So I was thinking maybe he does keep splitting up, and they figure out a way. 
And that's what I also thought the gun might have been about as well. Um, so I thought they were putting together some different pieces than they, what they actually did. So, but it was a good surprise. And it was good to see uh, Tanjiro very excited about figuring things out. And once he gets going in a battle and his, he gets his mental going, he's very, very, very dangerous. Yeah, that scene is actually getting like a lot of um, flack on Twitter because they just didn't animate it like it looked in the manga. And like his face in the manga is way more of like a shit eating grin than it was in the show. So they're getting a little UFO table is getting a little flack for how they did that. And it's, it's good yeah, to I see. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. No, it's good to see. It's good for the, the fans to keep the, the animation studios accountable. Especially when they got that much budget, bro. Like, just give it, give it to us. Make our yeah. man smile. Yeah, I saw that actually, Dan. Um, and I haven't read the manga, so I wouldn't have known otherwise. Yeah, no, this is one that I've, I decided not to read because I really enjoyed the animation on it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be fresh when I watched it. So, like, there's a few shows that I follow, or a few manga that I follow, but this is one I decided to hold off on. Oh, you did? Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you, Tyler? Have you read the manga at all? I've uh, I've read some of it, but um, uh, it's past the anime is passed up uh, to the point what I've read. So, okay, uh, I stopped reading it as well because you know I was reading One Piece and Boruto. Um. And I wanted to be surprised, I guess you could say. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, uh, yeah, that's one of the reasons I don't read much manga either. But uh, going going back to the plot and the battle with Huntingo, uh, uh, um, <clears throat> we saw that Jinya was fighting the Sorrow Demon, uh, who uses like the Extendo Spear, is what I'm going to call it, the Power Pole. Um, and he's <laughs> getting waxed, right? Uh, he gets hit in the chest, or like the stomach, the lower chest, uh, upper abdomen area. But he keeps fighting. Did you guys notice when they were kind of flashing through the scenes that it showed? I thought it was him healing up. Did y'all notice that? Yeah. So he was saying a prayer. Um, I don't know where the prayer comes from. I don't know if it's real or if it's just something they created for the show. But it's called the Amida Sutra, which kind of gives me like Buddhisty vibes, you know, with the yeah, name like that. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's like we haven't seen him use any total concentration breathing yet. Right. So, and he carries a gun. Very so, different. like, my thinking is that he's actually just a shit demon slayer and doesn't, he's not trained in any total concentration breathing or anything like that. And mm-hmm. his way to, you know, like level his head is by saying this prayer. And it kind of gives him his own little power up, if that makes sense. That, that's going to be really interesting uh, between that and the blick. Um, that's gonna be really cool. Yeah, he's he's got American breathing, but that's not that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's not official by any means, you know. He's America. got American breathing. He's got he's got a bunch of different guns hidden. We just haven't seen him yet, you know. Very true. Very true. But, yeah, I thought that was really interesting that that they flashed that and they didn't really explain it at all. But yeah, just you, you put two and two together there. I like that. Yeah, just wait for blicky breathing, blicky breathing, Uzi. no but that that fight has been really interesting um genya's showing a lot of guts um fighting back he was having sorrow well one sorrow feels sorry for him because he's sorrow um but that was buying him a lot of time and uh sakito was getting very very angry with him naturally he's the, the the anger demon but Genya just keeps coming back. I, I really like his character so far. And the fact that he fights differently than a lot of the other demon slayers. So I'm excited to see kind of where he goes, how much he actually heals up from that prayer. Uh, because it seemed like he was still leaking quite a lot. 
Yeah, I, I was gonna say I don't know if he's healing up or if he's just putting his putting his mind to it and he's just fighting with grit, you know? Like he's just in there. I don't know. Okay. I don't think he's healing up. I mean, there's really. I, I I thought that's what that showed. It was really really quick. It was like less than a second that they showed it, but it looked like the wound was closing up. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. I have to watch it again. It. Yeah, it was quick, but it. I paused it and rewinded because I just had to make sure um, I wasn't seeing shit, especially after uh, the sorrow demon was was uh, talking about why isn't he dead? And I was like, you know what? Why isn't he fucking dead? So Great. something to look out for, guys. Great, dude. <laughs> but yeah i mean he does have that dog in him i mean you remember too when you summoned the hotspring his body was fucking covered in scars yeah, he might just be a hard motherfucker i don't know yeah his face even has scars he can only grow hair in some places he's been through it man <laughs> did yeah. you guys like seeing nezuko come back with her blood demon art her demon blood art again yes sir we hadn't seen that in a while i love that crap man um, I don't think they use it enough, to be honest with you. Um, I thought she would use it more willy-nilly once she unlocked it. And what was that season? What well, season one or two? Um, yeah. when they were there, when they were fighting old Spider Boy. But Tandro, season one, Andrew told her not to. Though, so, um, I think she was just trying to listen to him. But I think that she got in so much trouble that she ended up having to do it. But uh, she honestly should have pulled it out sooner. But I guess he was scared that. Uh, um, he wouldn't be able to control her uh, once uh, she went off the deep end again. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. So. Definitely, but she's full demon mode right now, and she's she's holding her own. You know, uh, Tanjiro told her to protect Genya and the village, and she's doing her job. So I'm really enjoying seeing that. You know, it's a lot more fun to see badass demon Nezuko than little toddler Nezuko running around like a little kid goober. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I like seeing a Nezuko box it out. Uh, for sure and, and karaku's having some problems with her oh yeah she's got those mean kicks uh karaku actually had her her hands tied up and she just jawed that motherfucker with her heel it was awesome yeah and she ripped her hand off it was fucking awesome yeah no she she was she was really getting after this episode a lot of good action out of her yeah the episode ends with tanjiro basically like attacking uragi and using his flight ability to get back to the village, which I thought was so fucking big brand. Yeah. Yeah, it it was. Um and yeah, he actually used yeah his foot to go attack um Sakito because his own flesh is immune to lightning. And I thought that was that was amazing. That was I didn't really understand why he did that until he, you know, the, the demon himself explained it. Um but he, big his, brand. oh yeah. Hundred percent. Like I said, once he gets going with his mental man, he's hard. It's hard to stop. He's physically strong, but it's really what his his mind that keeps him alive a lot of the time. Definitely, just, don't go for it. I was I was gonna say I'm just glad we're three to four episodes in and we're already seeing top tier action. And uh, honestly, this is probably gonna last for the rest of the season. You think, or most of it? I probably? think the rest of it. Honestly, I mean, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna see Tanjiro get his super badass sword eventually, and then he's gonna go hammer mode and. It's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. Yeah, it's going to be sick, man. And speaking of like uh, changing points like the sword, our, our girl is coming. She's going to save us. She's saving yeah, us, boys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we saw <laughs> the love hot here at the very end of the episode coming back to throw bones. So I'm really excited for that, too. Yeah, Mitsuri is on the way. Yeah, um, on the way. She was just, do we, 
Um, but she, yeah, she just happened to be stationed really close. I, I want to see her fight really yeah, badly. I, I, I kind of want to see what kind of emotion she's working with there. Love. Just love, baby. Just letting the things hang out. I'm <laughs> drawing gonna stop us this time, boys. <laughs> well, on that note, would you guys like to? Would you guys like to get over to One Piece? Yeah, let's move along here. So, guys, we have One Piece episode 1060: The Secret of Enma, the Cursed Sword entrusted to Zoro. So, in in this episode, uh, Zoro still cannot control. Enma, which keeps extracting his hockey. That's life-threatening stuff, guys. Um, he gets backed into a corner by the formidable king. And Zoro suddenly remembers the encounter he had with an old man in his hometown when he was a young, young child. But yeah, just like the uh, little synopsis said there, guys, Enma is just acting a, a plum fool. He can hardly use the sword. He, he kind of lets go of it and lets it fall for a little bit. And we see his arm all shriveled up because he's getting it all of his hockey extracted out of his arm. Um, but we go back in time to when Zoro was a child. And I thought it was really cool guys. Um, one, something, something I want to start off with in this conversation is they're showing like some of the flashbacks and the new art style. Y'all have any comments about it, man? Cause I, I, I like it and I don't like it at the same time. I love um, it. Yeah, I think it's nice because they don't get too far away from the original content. They just kind of <clears throat> refreshing it up. Like, they're not making it look too different, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But they forgot our boy Kobe. <laughs> they, did. they did. They're trying to rewrite our history. Disrespect, dude. Like, uh, Yeah, because they, 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 show, they show us when Luffy and, and Zoro first met and Luffy freed him. And Kobe was there. He was right there, man. And then we go back and they, they just deleted our boy. Pink hair and all, bro. Just gone. Where like, where are you I, at, though? I don't know if they were just trying to signify the relationship between Zoro and Luffy there. But, like, come on, man. Come on, like, bro. You, you left out a key character. I mean, yeah. at the time, we thought Kobe was just... A one-off, for sure. Yeah, but, like, come on, man. You gotta leave him in there. Yeah, I, I think you do. And... Just to touch on Kobe for a little bit, this man has had one of the best glow ups in anime history. Yes. Going from like the fat jaw kid to like one of the most powerful Marines is uh it's been it's been good. Time's been good to our boy. The so. future of the Marines, dude. He went from like fat jawed kid to fucking stud muffin in like ten weeks. <laughs> big, big time. He just needed some training, man. And our boy Helmapo didn't get that. You know, he, no, he, he still he looks not. like shit. <laughs> <laughs> he's still a dummy, too. Kobe's hey. over here looking like, a, you know, he's looking fly. So Good for Helmepo. Good for Helmepo. <laughs> he joined the Marines, dude. He's something now. Yeah, he's riding he's on Kobe's coattails, uh, bro. But going yeah. back to what Bass was saying, though, about the, you know, scenes being reanimated, I loved the scene where it was Zoro in the sword store in Logetown, where they reanimate the scene where he throws Katetsu 2 in the air. Mm -hmm. You know, and he's like, you know, if my luck is stronger than a cursed sword, I'll be fine here. And I, they, they reanimated it really well, in my opinion. I did enjoy that. I did enjoy that. Um, I think for me, I really like the old anime style. Um, it doesn't come across as well in like actual fights, but just going throughout the story and the plot, I, I really enjoy the old anime style. Not that the new style isn't beautiful. It's it's just different, right? It's just not as, as nostalgic, you know? For sure, for sure. I wish I could see 
uh, all of the older uh, episodes reanimated like this. Uh, and I would, I would love, I would love to go back and watch it like that. Oh, I don't Honestly. need that. I don't need that. I really enjoy the old One Piece art style, like Bass is saying. Oh, but it's me nice. too. We can keep it. I just well, want to see this too. Nah, you can't do that. That's a, that's. <laughs> you can't do that. Trying to have his cake and also, eat it too. Ain't nobody got time for that, brother. That's four hundred <laughs> and something episodes. I'll make time, bro. They, I think yeah, they do really, have time with all these with all these reaction shots, but that's, that's beating a dead horse. <laughs> but that, I was going to say, that's one thing I really enjoyed this episode is that instead of just doing reaction shots, they went back and told a more vivid story. And it had a lot to do with where Zoro is right now. So Zoro, you know, is like, why the hell can't I control Enma? He's having flashbacks. He's thinking about the old man who we meet in the village, who turns out to be a basically a deserter of Wano who leaves the village oh, or sorry the country of Wano as a pirate essentially quote-unquote pirate and travels to the east blue and that's where he ends up so I thought that was really fun um it turns out that you know he is one of the old Shimotsuki samurai who we've heard all about through Wano and um, is a very, very prominent person, if you think about it like that. Um, you know, Yasui is from the same clan. Yes. Uh, Ryuma, same clan. And then the blue-haired Daimo, who I can't remember, from Yamato's flashbacks, is also Shimotsuki. So this is like a very prominent clan in the Wano world. And it's really cool to see that that same clan is the one who started Zoro's village, essentially. Yeah, so we're building that connection there um, because I think we all knew, you know, as we were coming into Wano, we saw what it was about that there was going to be some connection between Zoro and this island um, because he does have that samurai style. Um, he's a swordsman and he uses katanas. You know, there's other swords in the story, but they're not all katanas and he uses exclusively katanas. So good to see yeah. him actually finally putting two and two together here and showing us a little bit more. Definitely. And we got, we got, you know, the same story we've heard like six times, but they added in the old man, which really brought a lot more depth to it, I thought. Oh, especially that, especially that. Um, the I'm old all, man being, huh? I said, I'm all for any kind of Zoro backstory. Zoro's my man, bro. Yeah. And, and I, I think it. out of um, almost everybody on the Straw Hats, like he has the least amount of backstory up to this episode. But I think, like I said, they were saving it for this arc. Um, and the struggles he's going through right now, we haven't seen it before, so I think they're going to continue to flush it out. Yeah, and it's really cool, too, because now we know who made all three of Zoro's swords. Super dope. Because Kotetsu is the old man with the mask um, that, you know, is hanging out with... Oh, what's her name? The girl, the little girl. Tama? Tama, yeah. The old man who's been watching Tama is Kotetsu mm -hmm. and made Zoro's cursed sword and it turns out that he mentions that Enma is also a cursed sword and was made by a very prominent swordsmith who also made Wado Ichimoji mm -hmm. Am I pronouncing that right? You did well enough yeah. for me brother Yeah but it turns out that the swordsmith who made those two swords is actually the old fucker from his flashback and you're like holy shit we're, we're learning all about Zoro right now that's been absolutely awesome Yeah um, Another thing that we learned uh, about curse swords um that you know i think we already kind of knew that swords were unique especially the most powerful ones but uh kozaburo actually tells zoro in this flashback it's like 
the swords, the swords aren't actually cursed. When swordsmen make swords, they're trying to make them as deadly as possible, and they have their own personalities. So what it is is these very powerful, very extremely deadly swords don't want to be wielded by weak people. So it tries to destroy them to ask for a new master. They're not worthy, pretty much. And I thought that was really cool lore that we got out of that. That was one of my favorite parts of this whole episode. It's cool to see Zoro in his flashback for his childhood, but getting that little piece of lore about why Enma, no one, no one could wield Enma, was fucking awesome to me. Yeah, I definitely didn't need Kuina falling down the stairs for the 14th time in the, <laughs> in the 10,160 10, episodes we've seen, you know? That, that yeah. hurts enough. Yeah, but, it, it, um, was, it was a little rough. You know, introducing the idea that basically Enma thinks Zoro isn't worthy and that Zoro's got to pick up the slack is fucking awesome. Yeah. We also see uh, Enma, I mean, Zoro pay homage to like, uh, um, what the hell is his name? It just went blank. Uh, Odin. Uh, Odin, he was like, uh, he just made it look so easy that he controlled Enma like that. And he's like, maybe that's, you know, Enma wants me to control like that as well. So yeah. I, I thought that was pretty neat too. Yeah, and I thought that was a super interesting fact because, you know, Odin and Zoro both have Conqueror's Hockey. And once Zoro started using Conqueror's Hockey, his arm beefed right up. And Enma was like, oh, no, that's that good shit, baby. We're yeah, in it. Yeah, that's what I needed. Yeah, so Enma just needed to see a little bit of, you know, uh, big dick energy out of, out of Zoro here is, <laughs> is what it seems like to me. Um, because Zoro was scared of, of dying um, from overuse of hockey, which is a thing. But he finally just says, screw it. Let me feed this, this uh, sword my energy and see what happens. And I think Zoro's going to start cooking with uh, old King here in the next couple episodes because he's, he's putting it together, man. So yeah. Do we think Zoro's actually actually knows that he's using Conquerors right now? You think he's just winging it? I think um, he's winging it, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's, it, it might feel differently. I don't know. I mean, I don't have hockey, so I can't tell you. But <laughs> it's probably definitely a different vibe than just arming in hockey, you know? Yeah, because he has a good idea about what that is. But he was using it before he even knew what it was. Right? Yeah. When he, um, Picado, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been using ornament, ornament hockey. I mean, he was the first person in the crew to be using it. Because he was trying to figure out how to cut, quote unquote, uh, anything. Right? He was yeah. trying to figure out how to cut steel. And he starts doing it before he even knows it. So I don't think he knows he's using Conqueror's Hockey at all. I think he's just knows in his mind he's stepping up his game. Yeah, but I think <laughs> the scene where, you know, he um, is in the basement, or I'm not gonna, it's not the basement, but in the actual building of Onigashima, and all of the little minions are charging him like, oh, let us kill the pirate hunter. And when he uses his Conqueror's Hockey, they all just fucking fall over. And I think at that point, like, you have to know what Conqueror's Hockey is at this point in One Piece if you're, you know, a member of a crew That's fair. Yeah. with your well, captain who can yeah. literally just knock over 500,000 fishmen with the blink of an eye. You got to kind of know the vibe. And I think at that point, he's like, oh, game on, baby. Yeah, That's fair. That's a fair assessment right there. Yeah, because he's seen this before. He's seen this before at this point. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm ready to see Zoro on the front foot again, laying down those awesome uh, sequences in this anime, man. Those are some of my favorite moments. And I think we all love when Zoro's just straight kicking ass, bro. Oh, for Best sure, number man. Two. Best number two. 
Yes, and we're getting, I think we're, we're obviously getting a Sanji episode next, so we're going to have to put Zoro's fight on hold for a little bit. But this Sanji episode is going to be heating up, quote unquote, to the, you know, the heat of a blue flame instead of a red flame on his Ooh. Diablo Jamble. So that's okay. going to be fucking tight. Yeah, it was in the, uh, the little end credits. So uh, I'm really excited for that next episode. Um, some other things from this episode, though. Did you guys like how Momo basically just had all his clouds disappear? And he's like, oh, shit, what do I get? What do I do now? And he starts <laughs> trying to, like, pull Kaido's flames. He realizes that he can <laughs> grab on to Kaido's uh, flame clouds because, you know, he's a dragon as well. And right. he starts trying to, like, pull it away and it just slingshots <laughs> him back. I was like, oh, my God, Momo, what are you doing? At my this man's point, still the comic relief. At Hate this point, it. I do not believe in Momo anymore. He's done. <laughs> Throw him out the damn window. Get him out of here. Yeah, I don't know what to say. Like all the hard work he did on making the little flame clouds, he did. They're gone. And for yeah, what? I mean, he's been he's been working on this for you know in our in our time is three months, and it, it just went up in smoke clouds. <laughs> I guess technically, <laughs> but I think he'll be able to change the direction of it eventually. I think he's got to pull his his powers together. I I believe on? in more. Momo more than when we started this podcast. I've been uh historically I've been a Momo hater, I'll say. It's uh, it still don't it still don't make uh like it still don't make the what his original purpose uh look any better because you know, if uh Luffy does beat Kaido, he don't have no like he might be able to change the directions of Onigashima. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't have anything to stop it from falling right now because they're all gone. They all disappeared. So I don't know. Hey, man, it's one piece. Momo's going to have his own little ass pull. It's all going to be okay. Everybody gets an ass pull. Momo's oh, time no. to shine is coming. Just give it you time. You get an ass pull. You get an ass pull. That's how it goes. <laughs> I, guess, I guess going back to it, what did you guys think about uh, Kozoburo's design with his big old fucking burly unibrow? The flying V unibrow? <laughs> <laughs> it just it just never amaze like it it, it it never ceases to amaze me on how oda draws his characters um it's always just so varied like no one looks like each other that much except for the the main ladies uh they are they're starting to look like clones of each other but <laughs> <laughs> but um starting it's been that way since like <laughs> just rosa oh uh, yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what? Probably Fishman Island. Let's be honest here. The mermaid. It was after the time skip where they made yeah. Nico Robin look like Nami. But besides the point, I think Oda overall does a really good job of designing his characters, um, making them super weird looking, like the flying V Unibro. I enjoyed his 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 character design. I thought it was fucking hilarious. Yeah, one thing that like I did after the fact when I realized he was a Shimosuke clan member is I kind of went back and looked at him. And there's two very specific designs between the two. There's like the swordsman, like Zor or Z the guy who looks like Zoro, mm -hmm. Ryuma. They all look very similar. And then you've got the Yasui side of it. And the Kozaburo and Yasui share a lot of facial features. Like they both have the really pronounced lips, the same exact nose. I was like, oh, they kind of do look really similar in, a, in like in the they same do. sense. Yeah. Except Kozo Burrow isn't a hedgehog. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. But yeah, no, I enjoyed his design. Uh, I, I like a lot of Oda's uh, design in, the, in this freaking series. It's freaking awesome. Definitely. Um, yeah. One thing I did want to just point out, Enma is actually a badass name. Um, it, it being the great king of hell, 
knowing that now that that's that's some weight when you say the word Emma, man. I thought that was I thought that was something else, man. I thought it was it was a really very very cool name. I feel right. like they've introduced that already, right? They have. I thought so. Like when you first got the sword from Hiori. I just remember Zoro going Inma. But no, I don't <laughs> I, I, I don't remember them saying it's the great king of hell. It might be me mixing up the manga and the anime, dude. It's that was also like maybe years ago at this point or a year ago or more. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did actually say that. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the anime is like a year and a half behind the manga at this point. So it's all kind of blended together. Yeah, yeah. All I know is it's fitting for Zoro, uh, the king of, you know, he wants to be king of the uh, um, uh, shit, samurai or whatever. Uh, world's greatest swordsman yeah 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 that one uh it's fitting <laughs> what the hell are you smoking bro bro are you talking about Odin? king of the pirates and king of the samurai know, big bro, we already got it who somebody who wants to be the king of the samurai aka odin that's that's yeah. yamato bro come it's, on it's fine just just cut it let's just go cut it. <laughs> <laughs> but continue sorry sorry no no it, it's just fitting that for him to have the great king of uh hell you know um so he's a king luffy's a king he's a king we're all kings king's a king yeah hell yeah he's not yeah not queen's, a, v, but... queen's a queen who's a man <laughs> <laughs> very interesting name by, by the way well <laughs> awesome guys <laughs> that is gonna do it for the weekly rundown this week we hope you guys enjoyed us giving our takes no matter how ridiculous they were or how incorrectly we pronounced three quarters of the words <laughs> make sure to tune we're in trying. on thursday when we get down with the classic anime dgens podcast we've got some really fun ideas to go over and just hope you guys enjoy them uh, if you enjoyed the content, make sure to join our Discord and check out our socials, linktree.com slash animedgens. And we'll catch you on Thursday, guys. Bye. Peace.